Welcome to another week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover an artist, and that artist sometimes makes music of their own, sometimes they make music that's parroting other music, and sometimes they make music that parodies styles of music, and this week we're doing Weird Al Yankovic. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. And once again, this week we are covering Weird Al Yankovic. And how did everybody feel about listening to old Weird Al? About damn time. (laughs) About damn time. (laughs) We've only talked about him about 100,000 times at this point. That's true. This should have been year one. It was a weekly. It was a weekly talk for a while, you know? Yep. It was Weird Al and Shrek. Yep. We didn't know what else to talk about at that point in time. We weren't ready for this, kind of. We'll do Shrek soon. I mean, I've missed the days of finding Weird Al and everything. Now, I'm not saying that I don't... Well, honestly, if you listen to all of these polkas at this point, like, we've we've gone through all of the polkas, I was listening to Weird Al thinking, man, we have listened to a lot of these artists through the polka. Like, we have gone back on the polka and we said... Oh, yeah. Did you know Weird Al did this song in this polka? And then we did it. He's a visionary. Yep. Truly. Really, we should credit him for the creation of this podcast. You think so? He should be in the liner notes or whatever. Huh. On the masthead of the website? Yeah. We should put inspired by Weird Al. Without him. Without him, where would we be? Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere. He's a genesis for me. Yep. I think that that answers how... Wow, no one else, no one else has any, any response of nostalgia or you know influence on your past. We'll get there. Oh man, I oh man, I feel as though this is definitely us saying how did we feel about Weird Al is positive from all all parties. Yep, absolutely. That's good. All right. Um, <laughs> Great news. So, <laughs> I wanted to, and I want to make sure that everybody is prepared for this. Usually on the show. We play a favorite song, but with Weird Al being the way that Weird Al is, I would like to go over our favorite original song, our favorite parody, and our favorite style parody, because I think that Weird Al is that is that important of an artist that we should be able to have at least three favorite songs from that artist. This is going to be the longest episode we've ever had. We're not going to play all the songs. Oh. You got to pick which of the three that you want to play. What if I want to play all three? Too bad. Too bad. Oh, good. At the same time, denied. Hopefully, we enter. Like, hopefully, we go together in some ways. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we probably will. Yeah, I'm sure we probably will. So I already know. I mean, I know a couple of those already. So is Weird Al an artist that we even need to explain who they are, or does everybody who would listen to this podcast understand Weird Al Yankovic? I don't know. I mean, if you don't know who it is, turn it off and never come back to me. Don't ever. What are you doing here if you don't know Weird Al? I mean... I think most people know him. He's cultural on top of musical, you know. Yes. Is he still as big as he was when we were kids? I think he is. I think he's almost bigger. Do you think kids of today know him or just people our age? Like, where, where do you think that line is? 
it depends on where you are asking about how popular he is because I don't think that his music is particularly popular anymore, but mm-hmm. I think that him as a comedy icon is very popular at this point in He's time. He's just ingrained in society at this point, you think? Yes. He's just weird. He's an icon. Mm-hmm. Weird. Weird. I watched that clip after you mentioned it like a few weeks back, Caleb, about getting yeah, yelling at Weird Al. That is a really good clip. You have got to put a sock in it. <laughs> that's a that's a Paul F. Tom- Tompkins bit. It's a really good bit. What uh, is that from? Is that from a Netflix special? No, it's just a it's just a stand up special that he did. Mm-hmm. Or not even a special. It was just I was it his Comedy Central special? Yeah, I think it was a Comedy Central. It's older than you think. It's from like the early two thousands. Well, maybe late. It was a while ago. I this is a good point to mention that a lot of his popularity that was a resurgence of popularity came from podcasts. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know that he had an interview with Pete Holmes a couple years ago. And around that time he was getting more involved in like the comedic realm of podcasting. And that was when he got into comedy bang, bang. He was doing kind of some guest appearances on the podcast, comedy bang, bang. And then he became one of the co-hosts of comedy bang, bang, the TV show. So that put a lot of, prominence back on his name in terms of the comedic circle of things his music like i said honestly i don't think he's had an album that had a whole lot of popularity since probably probably running with scissors i don't think that i don't think that any well actually no i'm sorry because he did have white and nerdy on straight out of linwood yeah that was a that was his biggest song right linwood was huge and then um i mean he listen that that, you all it's huge for you, but Poodle Hat was huge for me, you young people. Except for Jared. I'm not I'm not saying that it was like not an album that was important to people. I'm just saying that popularity-wise, commercial success, it didn't do super well. I don't know though. I, I, I think I think we're I think we're getting lenses here. I think these are lenses. What's the song off of Poodle Hat that made a lot of commercial like waves and people like couch potato because Eminem. Yeah. Well, it would have been. And eBay was a big song off of there. It was not that big, but and J- it was big in my world that, uh, <laughs> and you're saying that I have a lens on <laughs> and trash day trash. Day. That's my point though. I mean, that's my point. We're all seeing it through differently. Trash day was big. Now it was Nelly. Mm. Well, I, th- that album would have been bigger and uh couch potato would have been a bigger hit. If, they would have let him make a music video. He was going to make a music video for Couch Potato, and uh, Eminem and his label shut her down. They gave him permission to do the song, but they, they didn't give him permission to do a music video. That is a shame. And so they uh, had this little bit of a beef between Eminem and uh, Weird Al. Are there any Weird Al diss tracks? Uh, no, I wish there was. I oh, would, my gosh. I love that so much. <laughs> you just hear a bunch of like, <laughs> and then they just, oh, man, that would be great. <laughs> He's the master of farts. <laughs> I did not expect you to be so ready for that hand fart, but I guarantee you. I'm always ready. <laughs> you've been practicing all week just knowing you were going to hand fart here. Did did you know, do you know what it's called? It's called a manualist, a person who farts with their hands to the tune of music. It's a real thing. <laughs> do you think, have you seen an interview or do you think, I guess, I guess we'll have to see if you know. Did he make one hand fart? And then alter it digitally, or was every <laughs> hand fart on key? I have like, to imagine. Was it, was, did he fart all the notes? 
Or did he digitally alter the notes? I have to imagine he actually did like the. Like, you can get notes in there. You can, he can do it. That is one of the most complex musical questions that we've ever had. And it's about hand farts. If I could ask Weird Al one question, that would be it. So, you know, please, Weird. 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 I mean, Weird. You gotta make more fart tones. If you were to go up to Weird Al on the street, would you call him Weird or would you call him Mr. Mr. Weird and Mr. Al? Al Weird? Would you put a comma in there? I don't know that I would. I would think I'd call him Mr. Yankovic. I don't think I'd feel comfortable enough to be able to call him Weird or Al. Weird Yankovic? No, I don't think so. That would be worse, I think. That would be yeah. worse. Nobody calls him that. Yeah, he would be like, I, who, are you talking to me? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think I'd have to call him Mr. Yankovic. Hmm. Keep it on polite terms with an icon that Mr. big. Mr. Weird, sir. That's what I would do. Mr. Weird, sir. Can I talk to you a little bit about uh, that song you just played uh, about whenever the that Ricky? first song? Yeah. You know who the female voice of Lucille Ball is? Tress McNeil, who is a voice actress. She uh, most recently has done the voice of Daisy Duck for Disney, oh. and she's done several other things. She's done voices for The Simpsons, Rugrats, uh, some uh, various other things, lots of things actually. But interesting, I feel cool. like there's going to be a fun fact reel about like literally every song that we could p- possibly play. So go ahead. Sorry, did you know you can't? You wouldn't be able to run into Weird Al on the street, you know, because uh, Al Yankovic blew his brains out in the late '80s when people stopped buying his records. He's not worth getting in trouble over. Bobby Hill. <laughs> That's cough logic for you right there. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that. That's good. <laughs> oh my! That's season one, cough, f- f- pal. Season one. That's old school. Do you not know what's going on, Caleb? No. That's a King of the Hill quote. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think... believe you said cough. You well. <laughs> You got why not? <laughs> I knew cough, but I didn't remember it. Like I don't want all these. All. I don't want all these noobs getting it so clearly. Jeez, I'm gonna get a little. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. But isn't it uh, Hank talking to Bobby about? Put because the because the boy ain't right or something. Yeah, he puts he's listening to all this new music and he's like, "What is this?" And it's this, it's this he you know because he bought this CD at the mall or this tape at the mall, mm-hmm. and he's he's like, "Oh, good God, Bobby, these are all toilet sounds." <laughs> and he takes his headphones <laughs> off and he's like, "They're wacky soundtracks and stuff like that, just like you Weird Al Yankovic." And then that's when he says, "Bobby, Weird Al." Al Yankovic blew his brains out in the 80s when people quit buying his albums. He's not worth getting in trouble over. And there you go. This is going to be quite possibly our most listenable episode while simultaneously being our least listenable episode possible. Yes. Like if it's you can off the rails so if far. If you can get through this episode, like our typical record roundtable fans, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're. I, I'm not sure if they're going to love it or if they're going to hate it. I just can't say. It's a weird episode. It's a weird episode. It's a weird episode. Do you want to talk about the music now? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the fact that early on in his career, i.e., his very first album, it was effectively an entire polka album. Hmm. Like all of the songs are polka based. And then going into his next album and then henceforth through the rest of his career, he really didn't just do polka. So he's thought of as like a polka artist, mm. but he only really has one polka song per album. Mm-hmm. He's really a pop star. Well, he puts a lot of polka so- sounds in there anyway. 
the accordion is pretty prominent in the, as a as an instrument to replace other instruments, even guitar, uh, in a lot of his parodies and and stylistic songs. So, uh, growing up, a door to door salesman came to the Yankovic household and offered free music lessons for either the guitar or the accordion, and his family chose for him to learn how to play the accordion at seven years old because they thought that the accordion would revolutionize rock music. And weren't they right? <laughs> Lo and behold, they nailed it. Mama and Papa Yankovic decided that, that Weird would be playing the accordion. They called him Weird at college, so he didn't have very many friends in college, and so as a, as a way to be mean to him, they called him Weird Al. And he did not like it at first, but then he took it as like a badge of honor of sorts. And then he took on the name Weird Al because he worked for the uh, radio station there at the college that he went to. I don't remember what it is. It doesn't really matter. And uh, so he, uh, like when he would play music at the college, he, he'd go on and say, hey, this is Weird Al coming to you, blah, 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 whatever. He also got a start because he would send uh, tapes when he was like 16 to radio host Dr. Demento. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else? And so he sent some stuff to Mr. Demento, and he's like, "Oh, this is pretty good." So he put Doctor Demento put the Weird Al stuff on his um, radio station. I believe the first thing was uh, My Bologna, maybe, or another one rides the bus. One of those two. That sounds right. Um, and so then it kind of took off from there, and he got signed uh, to a label, which then went away, and so he wasn't able to get any kind of uh, royalties from that because the there was no money to be had, and then he got signed to the major label, I think Atlantic. Does that sound right? It does sound right, yes. So, uh, But yeah, so that's, that's kind of a, a bit of his beginnings. I also, I found it interesting in terms of uh, the like his production, like since you mentioned the record company, yes. that he's self-produced a lot of his albums. I think the last eight or nine yeah. he's so, self-produced. So the first six were produced by uh, Rick Derringer, who was in a band, uh, the McCoys? Yes, yes, thank you. So Rick Derringer was in the band the McCoys, uh, which was somewhat popular, and then he um, went solo and had a song called "Rock and Roll Hoochie Coochie," <laughs> which was a hit. And then, uh, probably his most known song is the song "Real American," which is Hulk Hogan's theme. Uh, music. I am a real American. You know. So uh, that is Rick Derringer, and that's the guy that's produced the first six Weird Al albums. And then he he also uh, played guitar with Edgar Wayne and Johnny Winter, and discovered Cyndi Lauper. Wow. Well, he played guitar on the albums too. He he's the producer, and he played guitar. And uh, Weird Al actually has kept the majority of the rest of his band the same throughout the rest of it. Like his bass player is the same from the very beginning. His uh, his drummer, whose name is uh, I don't I think it's John, but then his last name is Schwartz, and but he goes by the name Bermuda, so his name is Bermuda Schwartz. <laughs> so what you're telling me is the only thing that didn't make it past the '90s was his mustache. Yes. Well, he shaved that uh, for uh, for a few different things. He shaved it for, I believe, the Fat video. He also shaved it for the Amish Paradise video in '96, uh, and yes. for scenes in the film UHF. 
So he had shaved it a few different times, um, and he actually shaved it, I believe, for the Ricky video, if I remember right. He did. So, but yeah, he also, uh, in 2000, what year was that? What did he what? shave it for in UHF? I don't, I don't remember. I don't he was remember playing that. different Stallone. characters, like, uh, yeah, Stallone. The Rocky parody. Oh, I thought he still had the mustache. Or the, uh, not the, you know, the uh, Rambo parody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no he, he did have the, the mustache during that. Yeah. I did think... he have it during that? Yeah, he did. I think maybe, was, did he play, um... Uh, Gandhi and Gandhi Two. Uh, no, that was Jay Levy. He was the he, he's a Weird Al's producer. Ah, okay, thank you. Or not producer, manager. Then I don't remember why he shaved his mustache. Hmm. Oh yeah, that was the the guy that produced uh, or that directed the film was Weird Al's manager. Yep, he's which was pro- very strange. Directed the film. He's directed a lot of music videos. Uh, they're just friends in real life also speaking of music videos that's one of the things that i think that i really want to get into the most in terms of like weird al's popularity is he's very 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 intelligent in terms of the way that he markets himself Mm -hmm. and i think that videos through mtv and i think that videos now through the internet Mm -hmm. are the reason that he became so popular had it not been through his marketing through music videos i don't know that he would be as big as he is Mm -hmm. i agree He's the kind of character who would benefit most from the internet. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like, and it's funny that he, it actually suited his career well because in his early career, when he didn't have it, he was, you know, he had popularity because of the novelty of it and all of this, you know. And then, uh, you know, coming into his later career, the internet would help spur a continuation of all of that. So, yeah. I don't know. I, when I, when I was kind of thinking about the songs throughout his career and the ones that were really big, they were often ones that had big music videos. And I think that that was really something that drove him forward was him having so many music videos that were, because I mean, Jared, I'm sure remembers that we had a DVD of all of his music videos up to what, like 98 or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. So I, th- I think it was, it was called a uh, weird Al Yankovic, the ultimate video collection. Yeah. So when you have that many music videos that you can put it on a DVD, yeah, and he uh he directed the majority of his music videos as well, a lot of them. So that's pretty cool too. He and Jay Levy for the uh, what's the the oh what was the the one that Robot Chicken directed? Oh, that was a uh, Weasel Stomping Day. Yeah, Weasel Stomping Day. The the animators of Robot Chicken directed that music video, which is pretty cool. It's a weird one. Jared, I'm gonna start with you. Oh, for favorite song? Yes, sir. Okay, let me let me pull her up here. Let me see what I what I picked. I... All right. So for the uh, original song, my favorite is uh, "When I Was Your Age." Oh, for the style parody, I would say it's "Germs," which is the Nine Inch Nail version. And then for the actual parody song, I think I probably have to pick uh, "Amish Paradise" by. Uh, Originally Coolio, uh, Gangsta's Paradise for uh, the film. It's called Dangerous Minds. It was on the soundtrack for Dangerous Minds. Um, I guess, yeah, that's probably the one I want to play. I mean, I want... I, probably nobody's ever going to hear the other two songs, but I think that the, the parodies are the ones that would be most appropriate to play. It's one of his biggest songs. Actually, originally, uh, Coolio... Didn't he claimed that he didn't even give permission for Weird Al to use that song, and uh, 
So then there was this back and forth, and and supposedly the record company said yes, but Coolio said no, and then the record company said no, you said yes, and this whole thing. And so uh, there was this beef between Coolio and Weird Al Yankovic. But then uh, around, I think, 2003 maybe, they were seen taking a photo together, and, and they asked Weird Al about it, and he said that they Coolio let bygones be bygones, and Weird Al said, I don't have to wear a bulletproof vest anymore. Boop, boop, boop. Hold on. That sounded familiar. Oh, did it? Ah, uh, yeah. I got a little boop, 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 a doo, boo here. Uh, that sounded suspiciously like Pastime Paradise by Stevie Wonder. That's that's eerie. Wow. Even, even Stevie Wonder can see that was a total ripoff. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. What do you think, Tyler? Oh, it's a ripoff, pal. Get out of here. I got a couple more. If you want any, I don't know if he. I don't know if he saw it the way that you want to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you'd like to do more, then go for it. Let's do it. Uh, how about we hear uh, Weird Al's uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Lunch"? Lunch, oh girls, they wanna have lunch. Oh girls, just wanna have. That's all they really want. Someone don't ask them that dinner or breakfast or brunch, cause girls they wanna have lunch. Oh, that sounds a little like uh, "Girls Just Wanna Have Fun." By Robert Hazard. That's interesting because uh, Cindy Lauper also took the song um, uh, Money Changes Everything from a group called The Brains, and she made that a hit for herself as well. So her whole career is basically taking songs that somebody else wrote. I I, I doubt she even wrote True Colors. Oh, come on. A lot of artists didn't write their own music. A lot of artists still don't. Yeah, like all like Elton, like Elton John's entire career, as we learned. Hey, Benny. Benny did it. Mm-hmm. Benny and the Jets. So to switch gears again a little bit, one of the things that I would like to praise Weird Al Yankovic for are two things. Actually, two things. Is his versatility and his variety. Weird Al, they're kind of intertwined, but Weird Al is a, a phenomenal artist for the fact that he is able to adapt so many different styles 
and is able to do so successfully. And he is very, very good at playing effectively every type of music in his own way and somehow fitting himself into that type of music. Like he, he, he broke the formula in terms of being able to make every type of music possible. Like the fact that he was able to, I believe it was 88 or something like that. The song Twister, it was on even worse. It was 88. So 88 Twister was kind of his first foray into hip hop. And then he just was able to rap. Like he's a pretty good rapper. Yeah, white and nerdy. He's he's good. White and nerdy. He did an epic rap battles of history as uh, Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. He like he's very very good at rapping. He's also a pretty good singer. He can make a good pop hook. He can like like his style parodies are honestly one of my favorite parts of his entire discography because he's able to adapt to a, a an entire artist style, borrow an entire artist or an entire genre style. And then make it in a song of his own. Yeah, what, yeah, he does it in one song. It's really wild, honestly. I it's weird that he can make one song uh, in the in one of his style parodies sound like ten of the songs of this artist. It's pretty crazy, honestly, to think about. Yeah, the one that comes to mind to me for that exact thing that you're saying is Doggy Dog. Hey, bud. Me too. That's what I was literally just looking at because that's the one I remembered as well. It sounds like I just tried. In fact, I was just listening to a Talking Head song to be like, I think this is part of what that is. And I can hear little bits of it in his song, but I can't hear. You know what I mean? I'm just like, which Talking Head song is it reminding me of? And it's reminding me of a handful of them. I also like uh, Syndicated Incorporated, which is the uh, the Soul Asylum Misery song. That's He does a very good job of sounding like Soul Asylum in that as well. Yeah. It's pretty cool. He gives Devo love, and that makes me happy. Yes, he does. Dare he did stupid. a Devo. Not only did he do a Devo style parody, but they were in a polka as well. That's true. So a thing about Dare to Be Stupid, which is like one of the weirdest things, that song was in the soundtrack for the 1985 cartoon film The Transformers, the movie. Really, it was also featured in the film when like the uh the, some of the characters. Some of the cars, I don't know, I don't even know the characters' names, but they came onto the screen and they were like riding like motorcycles or something, and they came into the film with Dare to Be Stupid playing. That's why it was incorporated into the movie. It's so it's like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where they like incorporate the songs into it, but it was just very bizarre. I found the clip on uh, YouTube, but so weird. And then later on in uh, the two thousands, I think it was actually I don't know two thousand six ish. He did a voice for one of the cars in a Transformers cartoon. <laughs> nice. So it was like full circle. He's also a pretty good voice actor, honestly. Yeah. He's got a very good like standout voice mm-hmm. and he's very like animated and create like it, the way that he like expresses himself is mm-hmm. perfect for voice acting. Yeah. Yeah, he's done some interesting things. I found some stuff. He was a uh, a character in a My Little Pony cartoon. He was in uh, Johnny Bravo. He was on uh, Billy and Mandy, the uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, as uh, what was he like a brain or something like that? I believe so. Uh, so, but yeah, he's got several different voice acting credits. If you want to go, uh, just type in, type it into the old IMDb and look at all them credits. I actually don't remember who he was in Grim and Mandy. Who was he? I thought he was that brain. He's like a brain, like the big alien brain. Uh, I don't remember. Squid hat. Squid hat. Oh, he was the squid hat. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 
He also was the voice of Darkseid in uh, Teen Titans Go. That uh, is my favorite appearance. That one was by him. very interesting. It was it was pretty great. Definitely my favorite appearance by him as a voice actor was him as Darkseid. It was pretty great. Cyborg was like, that sounds like Weird Al. <laughs> Let's just play like a really brief clip of that really fast. No, this dude totally sounds like someone. I know. Weird Al Yankovic. He's so, so good. Ah, yes. The great singer of song parodies. <laughs> if only I was half as evil to earn a living by making songwriters look like fools. <laughs> Diabolical. I don't know. I think it's all in good fun. What's fun about undercutting musicians by subverting their words and compromising their artistic integrity? Weird Al is a true monster. You take that back. He is a national treasure. A monster, I say. That tells it. You're going down, Dark Side. Justice League, go. That's you guys. Beautiful. That was great. Dax, I'm going to throw to you. You want my favorites? I want your favorites. All right, let me pull my list back up here. So I think my favorite pair, this was all tough, by the way. This was incredibly tough. I didn't expect that. Uh, but my favorite parody is uh, Jurassic Park, which parodying MacArthur Park by Richard Harris, which uh, he was and, Dumbledore in Harry Potter, by the way. And also Donna Summer did it. Oh, yeah. Well, she doesn't count. Just Richard, just Dumbledore. Okay. Uh, my favorite original is You Don't Love Me Anymore. Yep. And the stylistic parody, uh, The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. That's a great one. That is a good one. Giving uh, for uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Which one would you like to play today? <sighs> Let's keep up the train of parodies. I'm going to go Jurassic Park. All the dinosaurs are running wild. Someone shut the fence off in the rain. I admit it's kind of eerie, but this proves my chaos theory. And I don't think I'll be coming back again. Oh no! That hits me on so many different levels. Uh, first off, I love the Richard Harris version too. Mm-hmm. I'm it on vinyl. It's just great. Uh, Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies. He's singing from Ian Malcolm's point of view, uh, which is played by Jeff Goldblum. Yep, hold on to your butts. I have a weird obsession with the with the Bloom. Jared, what do you what do you think about his Dylan his Dylan parody, where none of where you know only what <laughs> yeah all the lines only make sense in and of themselves and they don't actually make sense. I I enjoy Bob. I think I actually uh, that was that music video for Bob was on uh, that the DVD we were talking about previously. It was almost my favorite stylistic parody, but I just don't... I mean, he does a pretty... He does a good Bob Dylan. It's just like, I... It's so confusing and weird that it can't really be my favorite thing. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I, I like Bob as a song. I found another thing, uh, Dax. So, from uh, the album Mandatory Fun, which is his most recent album, came out in 2014... So that was the last album that was uh, through a record label. And he said he was going to release things uh, in a more timely manner because he didn't like the way that he was releasing stuff before because he had to wait for the album to come out. And by the time the album came out, the songs that he had parodied uh, were not relevant anymore. So he said that being free from a record label would mean that he'd be able to put out more music. And so far that has not happened. He did not do that thing. 
I was very like I was thinking I'd get a new Weird Al song like once every six months, and that that has not happened. But anyway, so on his most recent album, Mandatory Fun, uh, he does a song called First World Problems, which is a stylistic parody of Pixies. And on that track is Miss Amanda Palmer. Oh, you know that's fun. She's a pretty good singer. She's a uh, isn't she Australian? Um, I, I think she is. Maybe I'm not sure. I did find out some information about True Colors. Uh, I don't know how how it is interesting, and I brought it up to Caleb uh, a few days ago. But uh, so the song True Colors was written by uh, Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. It's a songwriting duo. They've also done so they they've done other songs. They've done uh, Like a Virgin by Madonna, which was uh, parodied by Weird Al, Like a Surgeon, relevant. They also did uh, the song uh, I Touch Myself by the, the Divinals. These are two men writing songs for women. Like a Virgin and I Touch Myself. That is, It's pretty gross. That's not good, Tom. They also did uh, So Emotional by Whitney Houston and Eternal Flame by the Bengals. But those two songs... They're real perverted for two men to write for women. That's what I say to them. Take that. I don't know. I touch myself can be kind of either way. I mean, it was a woman who sung the song, but Austin Powers, it played in that scene when he blew all those fembots up. Why don't we get back to Weird Al? So um, the song Money for Nothing, which is a uh, parody of Dire Straits, is... uh, on the guitar is Mark Knopfler, who is in the band Dire Straits, which is very strange to have somebody that is in the band that you're parodying, guitaring for your song. But that just shows the power that Weird Al has. That was one of the uh, conditions on Weird Al being able to use that song. He wanted to be in the song. Wow. It's also, it's not as strange for him as you might think, because Genius in France is a style parody of Frank Zappa, who, of course, it was passed by that time. It was a Poodle Hat song, the last track on Poodle Hat. But the opening guitar solo on that was Dweezil Zappa. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Frank Zappa's son, Dweezil. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought that was cool. There actually are a lot of uh, of uh, other personnel performances on that album. That was kind of interesting. Tyler, while well, I've got your attention... What is your list of three songs? Okay, I'm just I'm gonna go for it with what I've got at the moment. I so, which one shall we start with? Which one did y'all start with? I can't remember. Doesn't really matter. All right. Well, I'll do my favorite original is uh, the night Santa went crazy. Good. From Bad Hair Day, it is good. I remember I used to sing that. There were a few songs uh, that I sang yearly for Weird Al. Because me and my my group of friends really enjoyed Weird Al, and I sang that one every year. And every year on uh, some of my friends' birthdays, I sang Happy Birthday to them, the Weird Al version of it. So we had a good time. We used to, as younger people, drive around and blast. Well, you know, in, we had a buddy who uh, his mom had one of those big, like an Astro van, but had the upper part that was uh, taller, the bump out on top, so you could stand in it if you were a kid. And uh, for his birthday every year, he had a like a sleepover at his house, and it was in the fall, so we would typically go to like a corn maze or something. And uh, we would drive around town going to the corn maze. All of us were standing in the back of that van. We were playing Weird Al. That's what we used to do. That's cool. That's a cool story, bro. Thanks, pal. And not in a mean way. Not in a mean way either. <laughs> uh, so then my favorite 
parody, direct parody, is Jerry Springer. One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. Parody of One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. And then my favorite stylistic parody is Albuquerque. Which I didn't realize... Yeah, I didn't realize it was stylistic for a long time. Because it's kind of a... He says the rug burns, but I guess there's a whole page on it as well, Wikipedia, that that discusses that's kind of in the in the vein of the rug burns and George Thorogood, which I don't get a lot of Thorogood out of it, but uh Yeah, um I was I was looking at a forum thing where it was called uh, Ask Weird Al and they asked him about like the different style parodies um that he's done and how you know he's done popular artists, but he's also done very um obscure artists like the rug burns and there's a few other artists that like you don't even really know who the original artist is, but, and you would think that it's just, I guess if you don't know, you just assume it's one of the original parody songs. Um, but somebody along the line updated the Wikipedia page and put all of the, what like parody style parody and original. And that way, you know, um, you know, kind of where he was coming from with it. Um, another thing that he kind of talked about in that forum was so around the time of uh, people using like LimeWire and BitTorrent and stuff like that, people would upload parody songs and call themselves Weird Al to try and get more streams. And so he had talked about how he didn't like that because number one, most of the time the songs were not very good, like compared to what he had, was doing. And the other thing was a lot of them were very vulgar and he didn't like that people were using his name and putting out things that he wouldn't do you know he like he he thinks of himself as a kind of a wholesome um singer you know he doesn't swear in songs and things like that and he you know he wants the music you can play with your family and you know take the kids to the show and everything and so if people are putting out songs that are you know just dumb vulgar bad you know parody songs and they just want to say it's weird al I don't I mean I don't know if the artist is doing it or if people just heard a parody and they just threw it on LimeWire and said, "Oh, it's weird out" because it's the first thing that comes to mind. I think he's like the Kleenex of the parody world. Like you know, if you want a facial tissue, you say I want a Kleenex even though if it's like yeah. could be a generic version. Yeah. So, if you Band-Aid. see a parody, exactly, yeah. You see a parody, oh, it's a weird out. Mhm. Well, cuz I like a uh, Bob and Tom kind of um they did stuff like, like they had artists on that were like that where, I mean, they obviously wanted to be known for themselves. Um, they're the country version is Cletus T Judd, uh, which it, he's not as good as weird out by any means, but it, I guess it's good that they have their own guy there. Um, for uh, even Hicks got a laugh. Tyler, which one of those songs did you want to play from like a couple minutes ago? Yeah, we're going to play Albuquerque. That's that's actually my favorite Weird Al song, period. Mixed up universe of ours, there's still a little place <laughs> I like that bit. I like when they're out of bear claws. That's probably my favorite part of the song. No, we don't have any bear claws. Do you have any apple fritters? No, we don't have any apple fritters. Do you have any pomegranates? No, we don't have any pomegranates. <laughs> Hold on. I'll check. <laughs> no. I got this box full of rabid we- weasels. That's what he does have. I, but I will say that's my favorite 
Weird Al album as well, which I've mentioned before. I think that that's probably was the top one for me. Running with Scissors, right? Yeah, Running with Scissors. That's yep. the first one I ever purchased as well. The first one I I, I like. So I, I enjoy Off the Deep End. That's a good one. It has probably, arguably, one of his best um, parodies, uh, which is the Nirvana song. Um, because it just he's like everything about it is good. Like the way he did it is good. The music video is good. Um, it's timely things like that. So I like that album. Running with Scissors is good. Um, I like Poodle Hat. You know, I like I like all basically the early '90s up until Poodle Hat. Probably the later stuff is all right, but like it, he isn't as relevant. But like Foiled is a pretty good song, and um, the uh, Blurred Lines thing. I think that that got some pretty decent play. Um, but even like I mean, you want to talk about him being you know still irrelevant now. Just this last last year, he was in the music video for Weezer's Africa, where he played Weezer, like he, he was did. pretending to be Weezer. And I mean, it it was pretty pop. I mean, that song was really popular. That, that whole thing is so weird. Whenever we eventually maybe do Weezer, we gotta talk about how that all went down. But uh, but yeah. So in in 1987, Weird Al toured uh, opening for the reunion of the Monkees. And uh, he said that it was a good experience, but that the his the bookers or the managers or whatever uh, gypped him out of some money. But he said overall it was a pretty good experience. Do you mean just keep talking? Or Dax doesn't done? like that word. I never said that. He said it. Weird he Al makes, said he it. makes the face all the time. No, the word yeah, I know. gypped. I know. I know. But weird Al. I'm quoting Weird Al. I'm oh. quoting Weird. Um, the words of Weird. He also is uh, a vegan. Uh, he changed that diet, I believe in the late nineties, early nineties, something like that. He read a book about it and saw, it was like basically, you know, the changing your diet in America or something like that. It, it spoke to him so much that he changed his diet to that. He said that he occasionally eats meat, but not very often. So he was asked how he can justify, uh, performing at, uh, the great American rib cook-off. And he said, the same way I can rationalize playing at a college, even though I'm not a student anymore. That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty fair. I uh, I think that in terms of albums, I would say that I'm a, I think that I recognize my own bias by saying that I, I look back and I say that um, Running With Scissors and poodle hat and bad hair day i mean he was on a really strong train of albums in that time like poodle hat running with scissors bad hair day are like three of his best works but i still think that honestly weird al yankovic in 3d is probably his best album because of the fact that it like established the format and had it not been for that album we would not have seen the relevance of weird al continue and so had he have just continued to do polka songs rather than like establishing a format of style parodies and song parodies and original songs and a polka, like so he could get all his polka out of his system. Um, I, I don't know that he would have been as prominent and popular as he is today. I think he would have just kind of like faded out in the eighties. So I think that album is probably his most essential album when it comes down to it is the one that really established who he was as an artist. Polka was a fad for a little while in there. So I'm wondering if he caught like a little wind from that too. Well, he did a, so there was a Polka artist that he um, knew growing up. Uh, His name is uh, Frankie Yankovic, which he's not related to, but he is a 
relatively popular uh, polka artist. And uh, Weird Al actually did a song with him called Who Stole the Kishka? And uh, it's pretty weird. Like, he... So there are two Yankovics who make polka music, and they're not related. Correct. That doesn't make any sense. So I mean... his parents said uh, something to the effect of that, like, you can't... What was it? Some, it was on. It's. I read it. Something to the effect of uh, uh, now there'll be two Yankovics in music or something like that. But it's it's very strange that they're not related. If your it name's is Yankovic, strange. I would imagine you go into polka. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, I would say it's probably fair. Here is the point where I challenge you, because it sounds like this may be a challenge. I'd like to hear somebody criticize Weird Al. Go. I won't. I refuse. I, he's too good. <laughs> it's pretty difficult, honestly, because he knows what he does and he does it well. And we know that he is a talented musician in terms of creating compositions like we talked about in stylistic parodies. He surrounds himself with musicians who are very good at what they do and they play very well. I mean, he has to recreate all of these songs, including the parody versions. You know, he doesn't take recordings and just redo the lyrics over top of it. They fully perform the entire song, so I don't know. I don't. It's. I find it kind of difficult. You know. I mean, he's not serious enough. Like, what are you going to say? I don't think that he's. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's trying to be, um, the pop people that he is emulating. He's kind of. I mean, on um, on Poodle Hat, I believe he was kind of going after the music industry a lot. Um, so he's he was. He's not trying to be Eminem or uh, Madonna or Michael Jackson, like even though he's kind of portraying these characters, but he knows he's not that. I mean, he's not a, like the best singer. He's not the best musician. He doesn't have people that are like great musicians necessarily. Like he's got friends that he met when he first started and he's kept them the entire time. His bassist isn't the best. His drummer's not the best, you know, like, but he's just surrounded himself with people that know what he's doing and, you know, like can kind of go with the flow of the music that Weird Al wants to create. I mean, he has probably more Grammys for best comedy album than anybody ever. Because There's not even a question. Yeah. Because every time that he put out an album, it was nominated for best comedy album. And it, it most likely it won other than, you know, like when George Carlin maybe won or uh, Cosby or you know, somebody like that. Um, Cosby. Yeah, we're out. Don't say his name. Weird Al would never do that to us. No. He knows. He knows. No, I'm not going to do this bit. No, don't, don't do that bit. <laughs> I was going to say something about barbecue. Don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no bits. Cut that bit. But, um, but yes, I mean, I guess that, um, that, that can be, you know, when you're comparing him to Billboard's top 40 people, he's not the same quality, but at the same time, he's better than, other people that are that are making chart topping hits. Well, you yeah. know, like he's better than people like Six Nine and and you know like I mean that's different style obviously. But who else? Who name another polka artist? Name another parody artist that people will know. But he's create. I mean he is the top of 
the the genre that he created. He, I mean, he is effectively the create the creator of what he has done. I mean, not exactly because there are other artists that have done comedy music before him. Yeah. But he has put his stamp on it more than anybody else for sure. So I can agree with you on that. And nobody else has really been able to find that success. You know, like in Lonely Island has tried. Yeah. But like in the fifties and sixties, you had people that did it, like Alan Sherman and people like that. But no, none of those people had the same consistency from, you know, like what was the that album came out in 79, his first album? I believe it was 82. 82. 83. 83. Okay. Well, but still like for what, four or five decades or whatever it's been to be able to find some kind of relevancy throughout all of that. So I appreciate your answer, but you still failed. Oh, well, yeah. My only critique would probably just be that, you know, listening to Alpocalypse and Mandatory Fun, uh, like I just didn't find some of the parodies to to hit quite as quite as well as they used to. I guess it's probably because you don't enjoy the songs that he's parodying. I would have to ration. Maybe, but 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 I li- like I think the lyrical content. Some of the lyrics I just don't think hit home in the same way that they used to do. Yeah, I agree with that. The The later stuff is kind of not as interesting. I, I don't know the songs as well. And I've, I mean, I grew up loving Weird Al, but, you know, the stuff that he put out post Poodle Hat just wasn't, I mean, I bought um, the Al Alpocalypse, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, I bought Alpocalypse when it came out. And that came out, I mean, a few years after um, Poodle Hat came out, but I just didn't. It didn't hit me as well as Poodle Hat did, and it's probably because I was older and I didn't find the stuff as funny. Um, and but I mean, the stuff in Mandatory Fun was—I mean, he had probably better songs on Mandatory Fun than he did on Apocalypse, but for sure, um, like uh, Word Crimes was pretty good, and Foil. Like, I already said that, but Tacky's a great song. Yeah, Tacky's good. Come out and say Tacky is one of his best songs. Tacky's pretty good. I would say. I would agree with you that mandatory funds probably better, but I think part of it, I don't know if I could say it's necessarily about enjoying the the songs that he's parodying. Because to be honest, Weird Al was like one of the first, if not the first, musical artist I found, you know, outside of influence from my dad or my mom, and I learned a lot about music from Weird Al, and I learned a lot of songs, pop songs, or even other stuff from listening to Weird Al. And I didn't know them beforehand. I didn't enjoy them first and then like his parodies of them. You know what I mean? I learned some a lot of those songs from him. So I'm not sure how much that really plays in into it all in all. I just, I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure that maybe it's part of the choices. Maybe it's just part of the quality of some of the songs that he's choosing to parody. And some of the, I mean, he just, I guess I kind of see like, for instance, I mean, we mentioned that. First World Problems is a is a pixie stylistic parody, which I think he does all right at, but it doesn't hit as well as Germs does or as well as Doggy Dog does. You know what I mean? I think he was a little more spot on on some of his previous stylistic parodies as well. One of his biggest issues that he had in terms of his later work, and honestly, there was a lot in terms of the early work. It, it's kind of outside of the Bad Hair Day to Poodle Hat period, but this is my biggest gripe with him is that sometimes he is a little... Um, nearsighted in a certain way in terms of not being able to... I think for the most part, he's very good about it, but sometimes he lacks the insight of what is relevant. And sometimes he will do... 
he will do a stylistic parody or he will do a song. Like, honestly, like, Jurassic Park is an okay song, uh, Dax. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad song, but it's incredibly irrelevant in terms of, like, when he made it. So, like, usually when he makes music, he's very, he's very, like, far-reaching. He's very smart about doing a song that is both popular at the time, was capable of staying popular for most of the period of time that it has existed, and it's very well uh, like made, but in a lot of situations, he's making music that doesn't really fall in the realms of relevance. And if you're making a parody of something that's not relevant, then you're just kind of making a an irrelevant joke, which, I guess. Which part of it wasn't relevant? The song that he parodied? Yes. Okay. Because the the out or the Jurassic Park had come out. Yeah, yes. it came out in this exact same year. And I mean, that was kind of similar to what he did on Poodle Hat and Running with Scissors, because on both of those, he did older songs, but then was doing basically a, a theme of movies that had just come out, i.e., Star Wars and yeah. Spider Man. Yeah. So he's done that before, but. You know, I think that they were done to a little bit better effect than the Jurassic Park one personally. Mm. But there's a lot of instances where his stylistic parodies and his parodies are doing so. so like, for example, he did the doors on Alpocalypse. Mm. And it's like, you know, I like I like the doors and I thought that he kind of he covered the style pretty well. But it's incredibly irrelevant in terms of doing it in like 2010. Mm. Like no one's really I mean, not to say that the doors are not important. Act, yeah, he should have done it when he first when he came out in 83 right. or whatever. Right. Well, when I first when I first heard that I was I was like I was, is this the Doors or Smash Mouth? You know, because Smash Mouth use organ in a similar way to you know Smash Mouth's are very doorsy. Um well, minus minus the good the good stuff, you know, the ability to write good songs, but stylistically they're kind of similar. But yeah, he like I mean for the most part so like for example he nailed it with Michael Jackson, and he nailed it with Nirvana. Those are yes. the two biz- biggest examples. Well, that I, I think get. that a lot. I mean, well, Coolio as well. Yeah. Well, that was, but that was an instance where he was very like it was very smart at the time, but it didn't end up having the large cultural impact later. Honestly, his song is probably more relevant than Gangsta's Paradise. In I would some argue circles. that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but like his like his Nirvana cover is incredibly important. My favorite parody, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Here we go. And the fact that he put himself on the cover uh, like with a Nirvana and then put the Nirvana song at the beginning, that's just smart marketing. Yeah. He knew what he was doing and he's smart and it worked out really well, but it doesn't always work out that way. That's true. Well, like the Weird Al TV show that we watched a few episodes of, that whole thing was a mess. Um, but it wasn't all his fault. It was uh, partly Dick Clark's fault, really. But um, But yeah, I mean, there are some miscues in his career for sure. But when you have a you know, 40 year career, you're going to have a few times where things mess up. Oh, for sure. UHF, the film that he did, which it's a good movie, but it wasn't going to, um, it wasn't going to be like the number one movie, you know? No. UHF is my favorite original song. Oh, really? Interesting. It's a good song. We'll talk about that more on a little thing we do called $2 cinema club. It's on Patreon. Go go to patreon.com slash record round table. Sometimes the uh, you know the throwback works, and sometimes it doesn't, though. You know, because for instance, off of Running with Scissors, the first song the saga begins is an American Pie adaptation about Star Wars, which the first episode one was released at that time. So it was the same situation where the lyrical content was relevant, but the song was not necessarily relevant. Now it's a more popular song in general, but I don't think it didn't hit. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, American Pie is bigger than uh, MacArthur's Park for sure. 
At different times, MacArthur's Park has been huge, though. It has been huge throughout history, but it, it wasn't as it wasn't as well known. But also, I have old parents. I feel like I take I take that for granted. People who listen to things that other people, like you know, would not have listened to when, when they were kids. So, but for me, like that didn't seem unfresh. Well, but that's what I mean by short sighted in terms of like like if you're somebody who. Let, let's say that today you have a kid who listens to Nirvana and he listens to the Nirvana parody. He's going to be like, oh, that's really good. Like, I know that song. That's really relevant to me still today. Mm-hmm. Who's who's really going to listen to a Jurassic Park song and say, oh, yeah, I remember that song or that that song from 1969 and that movie from 1993. Like, that's what I mean by well, how a does little he know short-sighted. That? He doesn't. It's hard to know how long. Yeah. Uh, if Jurassic Park was going to be as relevant as no, um, they've done like fifty movies now. I get that. It's not always about that, even though. For I mean, it's just like what I said, where I learned a lot about music from him. You know, so you could use that as a decision to try to use songs like that, and people, you know, like as a person who does parodies, I for me, if I were a parody artist, it would be important for me to do songs that I think are important as well as songs that are relevant. So that when people hear it and they see it's a parody of a song, they go, oh, well, let me go listen to this original song. And that introduces people into something different. MacArthur Park is was a big song in that genre for a long time. It was recorded by multiple artists, you know. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that there's different reasons to do different things. Well, he's kind of he, he kind of like toes uh, an interesting line because he's trying to create songs that are relevant to the times of right now um, and like capitalize on that like for instance riding riding nerdy which was you know that song is probably bigger than riding dirty yes um i don't I, maybe it's bigger than riding dirty because of the viral sensation nature of white and nerdy yeah but um yeah but that that song definitely like capitalized on the current relevancy of it and it's it's his biggest song for sure um, well, chart-wise, at least, I'd say probably like "Eat It" is a bigger Weird Al song. Probably more people probably know it, but um, the "Riding Nerdy" is it brought him back to, um, you know, like success. But anyways, like trying to capitalize on the current relevancy of songs, but also try and introduce people to old songs and old um, stylings, like the Doors and stuff. But like. It, it he kind of puts a lot on his shoulders almost. Um, I mean, I don't even know if he really cares that much, but you know, he's not just doing all of the most relevant people. Like he's got Gaga and he's got bare naked ladies and he's got presidents of the United States of America with Gump, you know, like it, it's, they're all different in terms of um, artistry and relevancy and stuff like that. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying that it's like, it's just like a potential issue that happens with him sometimes like it's just it doesn't work every time there are albums that don't always work and that happens to be my critique that makes sense there are certain albums that have certain songs that do not maintain relevance and are not quality work in in and of themselves and so they don't really justify the the airplay i guess but yeah uh before we get too much further i'm going to say the last song of my three-part list can you say all of them again because they were kind of scrambled in there yes my three are the nirvana cover smells like nirvana my favorite original song is uhf and my probably favorite song from weird al just in general is a stylistic parody calling in sick it's just a straight up good grunge song 
honestly. So yeah. I'm going to play that one. What's that little twerp gonna say? Now I know that we could talk about Weird Al forever. Forever. There's plenty more to say about Weird Al. But do we have any major closing thoughts on Weird Al? I have one cover that I'd like to do. Uh, It is from uh, Dr. Demento's Covered in Punk. Uh, It is by Shonen Knife. Uh, The song Eat It. Just fun, yeah. It's this pretty is a good. Japanese girl punk band. Mm, certainly, hi, hi, puffy, yumi, yumi. Yeah, no, that's mm, it. Nope. Oh no, that's wrong. <laughs> Tyler, you got something? Oh, they also have a cover of Blitzkrieg Bop. They do. Mm-hmm. Well, Weird Al did a cover of Beat on the Brat for that same Doctor Demento thing. Did you see that? I did see that. That's pretty crazy. It was pretty good too. Really, pretty crazy. I liked it. So, um, I mean, he's still, he's still made music. Uh, in 2018, he released uh, the Hamilton Polka, which was relatively popular. And then he did a uh, remix of uh, Feel It Still by Portugal the Man, which was a uh, uh, accordion. He put some accordion, get some, get some stuff on there. It's a pretty good one. So, I mean, he still put out some stuff. Um, so hopefully he'll put another album out here pretty soon or at least an EP or something like that. It has been what? Six years. Uh, yeah, I believe that's correct. Uh, last year, actually, uh, we went and saw Mr. Weird Al live and in concert. It was fun. Um, he, he really did. I mean, he puts on a good show. I would see him again. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if, if he comes to your town in 2021 or later, go see him. Well, he did an interesting thing too on the tour last year. It was it was strings attached, right? That's what the tour's called. Yep. Where he performed with the with a string. I don't know if it was a full orchestra or not. I can't remember now, Jared. Do you remember how many? People yeah, it were was there? full. It was a full orchestra. But they had it was like uh, kind of what you uh, mentioned the Who had done, right? Every single city he went to, he used the uh, or- the orchestra from that city. That's cool. Or local artists. Yeah, so it was really good. Uh, I had a great time. That was I thought it was fun. It was really good. And also, you mentioned that Hamilton Polka. That was really that was really good too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, he actually did in 2018. He did what is called the ridiculous, ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour, where he went to different towns and didn't do uh, his parodies. He just did the original music and like uh, deep cuts and things like that. And uh, so that he and every every show on the tour, he did a cover of a different song. So if you Go on uh, YouTube if you want to see it. 
or actually there's probably a list somewhere of all the all the different covers he did he did a really good job with a lot of them he did the song when i was your age on that tour and that's why i picked it because his version of it on that tour was just like really kind of made me respect that song more so um but yeah i I'm, i picked weird al for this month and i'm glad i did i enjoyed it for all you uh vinyl owners at home if you're interested uh there's a box set of all of his records and, uh, you know, it's inside of an accordion, like a fake accordion. It's only like 600 bucks. So, you know, get it while it's hot. Well, it was cheaper when it was released, but now it's out of, like, it's out. So you have to buy it. Uh, basically, somebody selling it as a collector's item. Was that was that permanent record? Is that what it's called? I believe so. Or something else. No, I think that's something different. Permanent oh, is record it? is another thing. I don't remember what it's called. I'm not sure either. It doesn't matter. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we were covering Weird Al Yankovic, and next week we'll be covering John Prime. Check out all of our social media. Check out our Patreon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.